Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. And today's episode sounds like it's going a little outside of our normal realm, but Honestly, I think if you listen to it uh, and just substitute cars for bikes, it sounds like most episodes. Well, I think it returns to our roots, really, was, you know, having athletes and, and people doing all sorts of different movements, activities, and sports on the show to, you know, learn about other sports we might do, uh, but also take some of the, the tactics that they might use in their sport uh, and apply it to our own lives. It's true. We actually had a NASCAR driver on in one of our earlier and episodes. some football players. We had a lot of different sports. Yeah. Although, you know what? When we had the NASCAR driver on, and no shade to him because he was lovely, but I I would say we kept trying to get him to talk about cornering and stuff as it would relate to cycling and give us some good takeaways that would be used for cyclists and he did not give us much to work with uh today's guest erica hoffman who is a mclaren driver who just won the formula woman competition she's going to be racing on the gt circuit this year um she gave some awesome advice that's right and they're driving mclaren cars so you definitely want to check out if you're into cars at all i know a lot of people have have got the f1 bug and and the formula you know racing car bug because of uh different shows on netflix uh this is maybe another group you can watch right and and see females racing uh which is very exciting that this this show and this uh, project has tried to really extend car racing uh to women which again you're sort of similar situation similar commentary to bike racing and maybe bike racing even 10 years ago i guess when it was much more male dominated uh uh, erica talks a bunch about the opportunities that are now being put forward to women and sort of how it feels being a woman in this very male dominated industry uh, how she got into racing and honestly what i was also blown away by is uh, some of the mental work that they do and also the physical work that they do on a weekly basis to be prepared for driving. And again, the mental work sounds an awful lot like a lot of the sports sex we've had on. That's right. Yeah, you have to be quite fit. Uh, I, I believe we talked or spoke to, uh, I'm trying to remember what it was, Eric Jones, I think is who we had on. Uh, and he spoke a lot about the neck training and you know to sort of resist the G-forces that the car puts you under in the corners and during acceleration and braking. Uh, it's definitely, it's tough and it's really hot, I think is the other piece, mm-hmm. right? So when we talk about heat conditioning, it's all these sports have a lot of, you know, things in common, you know, the mental game, like you say, the focus, where you looking, uh, let alone the heat adaptation and some of these other concepts that are really, uh, topical right now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we'll, we'll get into it with Erica in just a second here, but real quick, a quick word from this week's sponsor. We have AG1 by Athletic Greens. Uh, you know, I, I will admit a friend actually emailed me yesterday and asked, uh, you know, what do you really think of it? Uh, how long have you been taking it? Like, are you still taking it? I was like, oh my gosh, I've been using Athletic Greens since December and I am still just so, so very well, happy. Well, this last month, I think has been a great test. You've been t- traveling with those travel packages. Oh my gosh. packets, I should say. I tell you what, they have been just so helpful. I mean, not for nothing. They ensure that when I wake up, I actually chug a bunch of water, which I think is pretty critically important. Well, and you're, you know, some people do it well. They travel well, but uh, you, my wife, you are not, uh, you you go to the Starbucks and you you get your Mountain Dew and and whatever, and you get your work done. They don't have Mountain Dew at Starbucks. That's a dirty lie. Oh, yes, that would be, I guess you could do a two for one there, couldn't you? Uh, Maybe we can make a special beverage for you. Okay, so yeah, I'm not the (laughs) healthiest traveler by nature, so it's very helpful to travel with packets of AG1. Uh, You know, it's got everything in it. It's got our vitamins, our minerals, prebiotics, probiotics, adaptogens, just all the superfoods. It's really that kind of one-stop shop, the one thing I can do for myself that makes sure that I'm getting in those greens, getting in the vitamins and minerals that I really, really need, especially when I'm in situations where vegetables and fruits are in short supply. And actually, now that I'm uh, heading into a race tomorrow as we're recording this, uh, it's also been good to have around because uh, in the days before a big race, I tend to kind of drop my uh, drop my fiber down a bit, drop down on the veggies. Uh, so I often come out of these races feeling a little bit like, oh, dear Lord, I haven't eaten anything healthy in, in weeks. Uh, which is not the case, but it feels like that. And I think this helps a lot. For sure. And I've spoke about 
you know, some clients spend so much time trying to research this magical blend of this supplement and that supplement, and they're spending a lot of money. And so one of the things I actually really like is this has been really well researched. They keep, we're on the 51st, uh, 51st iteration, 51st iteration of, it, yeah. of this. So they're, they're really working at this, this mix of, of nutrients and phytonutrients and vitamins, uh, adaptogens, all these, these things. And, and what I really like as a coach is actually the piece that then we can just move on and believe in this and then, you know, do the training, do the the sleeping and, and these sort of things uh, that we have a lot of control over. So I do like that. It's also way cheaper than like 10 supplements. That, I know a lot of people, the sticker price is, you know, it's a little shocking, but honestly, it's about the same price as two or three other supplements. Just start adding them up for mm-hmm. sure. And the other piece we haven't talked about, you know, these companies we want to be, you know, where are these uh, ingredients coming from, right? So it is a sustainable uh, company in terms of, you know, they're co- climate neutral certified. Uh, they're doing a lot of these things to help other different organizations like No Kid Hungry uh, in the U.S. But if we're being real honest, it's also that they're NSF certified, so you actually know where everything is coming from, and you don't have to stress about uh, getting tested at events. And even if you're not an athlete who's maybe getting tested in the elite field, uh, you know, you'd rather know that everything in it is what it says is in it. And I think the last piece is just people will ask us about the taste, and you know, they've been turned off by some of these, you know, algae greens powders that are just, you know, they taste like algae green powder. I literally sent a packet to someone the other day to prove it. Yeah, to prove it. Yeah. I don't know if we're making that offer but uh you yeah. know you know what ag1 will do if you use our code uh you'll get five free travel packages and a vitamin d uh to boot uh along with your uh your subscription or your your just your package of athletic greens uh and what is that code uh that one you can just go over to athleticgreens.com backslash molly h we decided consummate athlete was way too hard to spell in a url so it's just athleticgreens.com backslash molly h and you get five free travel packs and the year of immune supporting vitamin d with your first purchase Uh, and i will note that if you do get a subscription it's super easy to pause it if you're going to be gone for a while although frankly i'd be ordering the travel packs and bringing them with me if i was going to be gone for a while but totally up to you uh definitely check it out over at athleticgreens.com backslash molly h all right let's get into this episode with formula woman's erica hoffman enjoy how how did you end up in car racing this is not a traditional career path what's the deal (laughs) yeah very very not typical and especially from where i came from like in ottawa not a huge racing community it's definitely building speed but I wasn't aware of it growing up at all. Um, My family was into car racing. My brother actually like found some random Formula One race on TV once when we were young Um, and he got into it. My dad was like, oh yeah, this is great. Like we'll watch Formula One. Um, But it was actually kind of impossible to get channels for it. So what we did was the only other person I knew aside from our family who watched racing was my uncle. And he bought like this extreme setup before the days of like being able to stream things on your computer to be able to get some like UK channel. And then he would VHS record it onto a VHS tape. And then he would put it in our mailbox, like the day after the race, we would watch it and then bring the, uh, the VHS tape back to his house, put it in his mailbox and we just tape over it. And that was our only exposure to be able to watch racing. So we were pretty committed to this weird, you know, pattern of watching races. Um, and then our family, like, watch top gear like those kind of things it was a lot more of like a family thing um and I was like really into it I was like this will be this is great I I got into it pretty much myself when I was like eight or nine is when I really took like ownership myself and was like hey this is gonna be my favorite driver I'm gonna watch every race and I just had this dream that I would one day get to race cars even though I had like a very big disconnect of like this dream and like my reality of my childhood life and not knowing anyone who did go-karting not knowing anyone involved in racing And I remember one time, like my mom mentioned to me, she was like, you know, like your dad and I aren't, aren't driving like Lamborghinis and like Ferraris around because you seem to talk as if one day you'll get to drive like supercars around or something. She's like, you know, we don't really see those in our daily life. And I like thought about that and I was like, oh, you're right. Like, I don't know anyone who drives those cars, but then I just kind of shrugged it off and I was like, but one day I think I'll be able to work it out that I'll be able to. Um, so I had like this weird belief and this weird interest in cars and, and racing. And then as I got older, I got my driver's license, um, and my parents kind of hoped that would appease me and I'd be, you know, good, but I wanted to like really drive. 
Um, so we ended up finding like local autocross. We took our Hyundai accent there, um, drove around in like a parking lot with pylons and like started driving that way. And then I emailed the local racetrack, which I didn't even realize existed. I emailed Calabogie Motorsports Park um, and was like, hey, I'd like to I'd like to race. How do I do that? Um, and I started out doing like local lapping stuff there. And then um, a company called Apex V2R, which does driver development in Ottawa. Um, they saw me doing well at the like the local track and they were like, hey, we'd like to help you develop as a driver. And then they're the ones who actually uh, put me forward and suggested I apply for this Formula Woman competition, which then I ended up winning. So now I'm a full on race car driver all of a sudden. Okay. So many questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When you were eight or nine deciding on your favorite, uh, race car driver, like who you were going to be a fan of, were there other women in it? Like who were you looking at and what made you sort of see yourself doing it? Yeah, there, I didn't know any female race car drivers growing up. I'm going to be straight with you. Like, I think my dad probably was like, oh yeah, you can do this. And I saw other like female role models, like Haley Wickenheiser, um, as the Canadian like hockey team and everything, but within motorsports, no, I didn't, I didn't see anyone, uh, or see any like representation. Um, I actually, my favorite driver, which I picked before he entered formula one is Lewis Hamilton. So it, it turned out pretty well for me. Uh, cause he's like seven time world champion now. Um, but as like a child, I was just like, he's new to this. I'm new to this. Cause he was about to be in formula one the next year. And in my head that like, I was like, he's a rookie. I'm like a rookie to cheering for like a driver. I was like, that'll be my guy. And that was like I love it. Only, <laughs> only logic. And then I was very loyal and committed. Um, and yeah, now it's, it worked out pretty well for me. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. When you first got your license, were you one of the people who like rallies around and like ends up with like 18 speeding tickets in the first six months? Or were you actually a sneaky good driver? I would like to say I've never got a speeding ticket. Actually, in my life never got a ticket. Knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say I did speed, but like strategically and like I would say safely, I wasn't like ludicrous, but that was also why like I knew that like the road wasn't really satisfying my desire to like be able to push a car. Um, and I also find that to this day, like when I started going to the track, I realized it was, it's kind of like a fix, you know, like if I hadn't been to the track for a while, I would start getting more frustrated on the road, start speeding more, be like, Oh, I just like, I want to drive. Um, but then you go to the track and then you go back to the normal road and you're like really chilled out and relaxed. I'm like, you go ahead, sir. Like no problem. Cause I've had like that time to really push your driving and everything. So I would recommend to anyone who's like getting frustrated on the roads and is like, everyone's driving too slow, all this stuff, like hit up your track. And then it, it I think it'll save you money in the long run. Cause you have to spend money on a track day, but you know, avoid those traffic tickets and keep the roads nice and calm and safe. I love it. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I feel like there's, there's many different types of car racing. Can you just kind of explain what formula one exactly is? And then maybe talk about the formula women. Like yeah concept and thing yeah so formula one is kind of the pinnacle of motorsports throughout the world it's it pretty much biggest car racing show on earth it travels around um to a bunch of different continents a bunch of different countries um it employs a huge a huge amount of engineers and actually the technology that they bring into formula one trickles down to our daily lives a lot so they're really pushing the boundaries on engineering a lot of the the things that we have in our daily cars come from the advancements with that. Just the same kind of how we have a lot of technological advances from people creating things for going to space and like the, the progress there. Same kind of kind of correlation in terms of um, pushing the envelope engineering wise, having to come up with new solutions for things. Um, and then that creating like a byproduct that we use in our daily life. Um, so Formula One also is single seater cars, open, wheel concept looks like a, like a race car race car you know you wouldn't see one of those driving down the street um what i do is gt racing so that i drive a gt4 mclaren so a 570s mclaren which is pretty sweet so it it's similar to their 570s road car but like the race car version so again it looks race car because you got like stickers on it the inside like it only has one seat it's got roll bars in it all those kind of things doesn't have all the luxuries of like a normal car, um, but it looks a lot more like a normal car. So in my series, 
it's like Porsches, Ferraris, Lamborghinis, McLarens, like pretty sick cars, honestly, um, racing. And then there's a bunch of different like levels of, of GT racing. So I'm in GT force. That means we still have like traction control, ABS, like a bit of, bit of aids on the car. And then you go up to like GT three, we no longer have ABS on your braking and they're just faster. Um, but it's still like, they'll still look like your, like a Ferrari car that you could buy on the road, but just like a completely non-luxury, like stripped out, like meant to go fast version. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. Uh, for, for the non-car people here. <laughs> okay. So talk about this formula women thing. What's the deal? How did you end up in it? Uh, how did, how did it go? Were you surprised? Give me the yeah. story. Okay. So pretty much formal woman is a competition for amateur female drivers. So you couldn't be a professional driver to enter it. Um, I think moving forward, they're going to allow more experience levels to apply and kind of have different classes of competition. But for me, it was, you had to be a non-professional female driver. Um, and their goal is just to create more opportunities for women within motorsports. So, um, I'm a huge sports fan, followed a lot of sports growing up, played a bunch of different sports. Um, but the cool thing about car racing is it's one of the few sports that men and women can compete on an equal playing ground. Like you can do head to head competition. It doesn't matter your gender, your body, like you're able to, if you have, you train, you're fit, you have the proper, like cognitive your mind is all sharp like it doesn't make a difference um so I thought that's that's a really cool um like you know unique quality of the sport um and formula woman is trying to get more equality within the sport so even though it is a platform and and an industry where men and women can compete on equal playing field it's not it's not an equal like representation you go to a racetrack it's 95 percent guys um when i raced locally at calabogie so here in canada i raced in like an evening series there's a few different races that would go on and i was the only girl who raced there like there was i think there was one other girl who raced like a different night of the week uh one other woman and i think now we're gaining a bit more if i like there's slowly more and more of us coming through Um, But Formula Woman really wanted to be able to create opportunities for women working, first off, women drivers, and then also women who want to work within the industry. So like working for teams, working as engineers, as mechanics, in marketing, there's a huge, it's a huge industry, motorsports. Um, So just kind of creating opportunities and also taking away some of the barriers that would hold people back from getting involved. For instance, like because it's so male dominated, a lot of women find that intimidating to walk into. They're like, if I don't know much about it, I don't see myself represented. Um, I'm not sure where I fit within this. And I've had a lot of people approach me and a lot of like DMs from different girls who are like, Hey, like I want to get involved, but I'm worried about how I'll be treated as a girl showing up in a completely like very male dominated and also very like it's motor racing, it's cars. So like the guys who are there are very like, you know, guys, guys kind of, kind of vibes. So Thankfully, I've had really positive experiences, and I would say that it's shifting to being a lot more welcoming to women. Um, throughout my whole experience, I find I've had a lot of people who are really like championing women within the sport. I've been very welcomed. Most people are like really excited, and they're like, "Wow, I wish like my daughter did this or had an interest in it." So I would definitely encourage women if you're wanting to get involved that like that door is open. Like I would say, if I was trying to do this, maybe like. 20, 30 years ago, it would be very difficult. Um, but now like our cultures come a long way and those doors are, are definitely open for women. Um, so I would, so formal woman was trying to promote more women within the sport. Um, and then also like auto racing is a very expensive field to go into. So as someone who played a lot of sports, there's a reason I never did go-karting as a kid. My family was like, yeah, we, we can't afford that. Erica, you can play soccer, you know? Um, so formula woman was trying to take away some of those boundaries and find just natural talent. So they did a global driver search. Um, and I think that applicants from 28 different countries, all these different female drivers, we went through a lot of different testing. I had assessments locally in Canada and then I made the final. So I went to the UK, I had multiple rounds in the UK and then we did the final in Sweden. And then after all of that, at the end of the day, I ended up winning, which was pretty, pretty remarkable. I was pretty jazzed about it. And also a lot of the other women were very talented, had more experience and, and were generally really good drivers. So um, 
I I was like kind of shocked that I won because uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't have. What did the winning like? What did the winning look like? Um, how did the competition I get play out? Almost like was it ranked like per race or when did you know you won? Right. So pretty much we started doing pretty much I started with an assessment in Canada where I had an assessment at a local track here. We did go-karting, we did fitness, we did we had to do pieces to camera because the competition was being filmed. So they wanted to make sure we could like talk to media. And that's a big side of of sports is the whole marketing side of things. We had written tests about like your knowledge about racecraft and mechanics of a car and everything. Um, and then they pretty much had all these assessments all over the world. A lot of the main ones happened in the UK. And then at Christmas, actually just a few days before Christmas, I found out I made the top 75 uh, globally. Um, and I was invited to the final in the UK, which took place in March. So it was a great Christmas present. Um, and then I flew over to the UK is end of February. And the first assessment was two days and it had all of us there. And there's just a bunch of different tests we went through. So they did a lot of um, mental assessments with us. Like they have... So they work with a, a performance psychologist, um, Sabine, uh, I can't pronounce her last name, but <laughs> um, they work with a mental uh, uh, performance coach, psychologist. So she had a lot of tests that she put us through um, just on our memory, our quick judgment skills, our um, self-belief, like a bunch of different things to see, like, do you have like the core characteristics in comparison to like world champion athletes that could help you like excel within this industry. Um, and then, yeah, we had fitness, we had reaction tests, we had simulator tests, we had written tests and of course driving. And then after that, the top 15 um, made it to another round where we went to a different track and did kind of like the fastest lap times moved on situation. And then the top 10, we went to Sweden and they were trying to give us a different situation to see how we reacted to coaching, especially because um, we were at different experience levels and they wanted to see like how quickly you could learn, how quickly you could adapt, take feedback and just your pure like car handling abilities. So we did ice driving in Sweden, which was so fun. Um, and then at the end of that, they pretty much how they, they broke it to us who won or not. They, we knew that four of us were making the team and they had us like waiting in like this restaurant and then uh, one by one, we were called out to like sit down in a booth across from like the founder and like one of the main judges. Um, and I like sat down there and I was like trying to contain, I wasn't sure how I should feel. Like some of the girls were getting really stressed out. And I was like, should I be like resigned to this might not happen? Or should I like really believe that it should happen? Cause like, this might be my last chance to believe it. And I was just like confused on where what would be a healthy mindset to be in so I kind of just didn't decide on anything it was just kind of there um and I sat down and they asked me how I thought I did and then they told me I ended up having the fastest time out of everyone and I was like whoa that's so cool because we they hadn't told us our times um previously so that's when I found out but they'd also told us it wasn't purely going on times there was a lot of factors that they were looking at so they told me that and I think they were waiting for like a reaction but I like was waiting because I was like does that does that mean I made the team I don't, I don't know and they were like so you made the team and I was like oh no way and I we have some great photos of me looking a little gobsmacked um and yeah so then I was like oh my gosh I, I have to move to England now um to race in the season so uh, it was a, like a long, um, long process from when I first applied probably last spring to getting the seat like a year later. Um, and now I, now I live in the UK and I race uh, in the GT cup. That's amazing. I love it so much. Um, okay. I have to ask because obviously consummate athlete, you mentioned fitness testing was part of this competition. What, uh, what did that look like? Um, well, one of the days. This was my, not my favorite um, fitness test they put us through. We were at PFI, so a cart track, and we've been doing all this racing, all these things. And then they were like, okay, show up like early the next day. We have a lot more tests and we have races we're going to do. And we showed up and they're like, okay, we're going to run the racetrack to start the day. And we were all like really tired. And we were like, oh my gosh, I was not fully prepared for this. So we had to <laughs> run around the racetrack. Um, but yeah, just normal, like fitness tests. They wanted to make sure like you could have, you have to have the proper stamina. 
within racing. Um, it uses different muscles than you would use in other sports that I've played in the past. Um, and it's a lot of like core, back, neck, a lot of neck strength, and then also a lot of like um, making sure you're not like you're belted in and you're kind of crunched up, like leaning. Yeah, yeah, your shoulders are kind of pulled in when you're like on the steering wheel and stuff. So a lot of shoulder, neck kind of strength stuff. Um, but the main thing is like, you don't want to get fatigued when driving. Like if your body can't handle it, if you're in the race stint, um, our races aren't that long. Our longest are like an hour, but we have a driver swap. So the longest you're, you're really racing is probably half an hour. Um, but in that time, if your body there's so you're going through, like, uh, it's really hot in the car. You're in a bunch of layers of like fireproof everything. So you're sweating and you have to maintain that like mental clarity and that mental edge, um, while you're still like, it's a, it's a very physical thing driving the car. So, um, the main thing is as you have to keep like your cardio and everything up to a place where, where you don't get tired during that time. Um, because you don't want your, your body to limit your success within the race. Yeah. No, that makes a ton of sense. It sounds almost like it's, it's like mindfulness on steroids. It sounds like when you're driving, because you have to be so focused on the present moment, but like also so aware of just every single thing that's happening, even when you're just like exhausted from it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a, a cool sport in that sense that like, it really requires a lot of mental training in addition to like, you physically have to be able to drive the car well and be fit, but you have to, you rely so much on your mind. Mm-hmm. Now I do want to get way into all of the training things, but I did have a note here. You mentioned that your brother was also into, into driving and stuff when you were younger, uh, any like sibling rivalry or how, how does he take it that, uh, his, his little sister is a race car <laughs> driver now? Yeah. Um, he's really proud of me. Uh, he lost, I wouldn't say he lost interest, but he didn't ever have the same intention of wanting to like be a driver. Like he's into it and he's like a big stats guy can tell you anything about, about the sport and everything. Um, but he actually, he lives in Papua New Guinea these days. He's like a humanitarian linguist. So he's okay. doing quite well on his own, uh, doing his own thing, but, uh, he's really supportive. And actually my sister is also like, very supportive, but would probably be more jealous than, than him. <laughs> she, she's like more into the car scene. I've got her out to the track before and given her my car to go around. She's quite decent herself. So nice. Nice. Um, can anyone just like go to a track? You keep mentioning like track days and stuff for like the average person. I did not know this was like a thing. Yeah. So if you're wanting to get your taste, of, of racing. Um, you can definitely go to local tracks, um, in Ontario main ones would be like Shannonville motorsports park, uh, Calabogie motorsports park, and then, uh, Canadian tire motorsports park. So Mossport, um, are like some of the main ones and there's a few more around Toronto and everything, but, um, you can literally go for a track day and you just would like, when you register, you just say like, I'm new. Uh, and they give you a coach to sit with you. Um, and you wouldn't be like racing other people. It'd just be like you driving on the track. Um, but it's such a cool experience and really gets you into the realm of performance driving. So like the company that I work with here in Ottawa, uh, Apex V2R, they do track days for all like skill levels. So whether you're a beginner or whether you've done some track experience, whether you're really wanting to like hone your, your driving, um, and they do days at all these different tracks around and uh I've coached at them before um and you it's a really cool way of getting to have that experience and that taste of driving on the track and even if like to be real like being a race car driver isn't super realistic for most of us um my life kind of like shockingly turned out differently that I I could do this but um but for the most part, I would definitely encourage anyone who's like wanting to get involved in it. And it also really helps like your daily driving and just your, your reflexes and everything. So I'd say it helps make you a safer driver on the road and everything. Um, so yeah, you can just, just go to a local track and, and do a track day. Nifty. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Oh man. 
Now I have a new, new thing I need to do. Now I'll have to get you out. <laughs> okay. So, you know, normally we're talking to like cyclists and runners and they have kind of like a weekly training schedule that like for the most part stays pretty, pretty similar. Can you walk us through what like a week of training looks like for you when you're in sort of like training mode and give us everything, give us like the, the actual like driving, but then also like the mental stuff, any like fitness stuff, strength right. stuff, walk us through. Okay. So one of the unique things about motorsport is unless you are insanely wealthy, you don't actually have that much time in the car to practice um, because you're wearing through tires, like gas, all these things. And it's just expensive to get on track. So you want to make sure your time off the track is, is really productive and putting you in the best position to make most, make the most of any time you get on track. Um, so things that I'll do for training is we do a lot of simulator work. So um, driving simulators in the UK, um, we work at through iZone, which is a place near Silverstone, which is a big racetrack. Um, when I'm here in Canada, I do stuff in Ottawa at Apex V2R, which has a bunch of simulators and pretty much that's a really good tool to help you learn the track. Um, it's not the exact same as driving. Obviously you don't have the same fear, you know, in you that you're going to crash and die, but, um, it definitely like is such a good tool to help you improve. And I would say I owe a lot to my success now to work on the simulators because first off, it's a lot cheaper because you're not smashing up a real car. Um, and also you just get that luxury of like so much reputation, reputation, repetition that you wouldn't be able to get, um, in real life. So I'll try to be on the simulator a decent amount, um, when I'm not on track, especially here in Canada, I actually have a simulator at my house. So, Ideally, you want to be on the sim every day. Um, another big thing we do is watch onboards. So you'll watch previous races, racecraft. You watch videos from the driver's perspective. So rather than just watching races like you would do on TV, you also get onboard footage. So you can just watch like a full race um, from the perspective of the driver and just seeing like if I'm going to do a, a race at like Olton Park is my next race. Um, so I would want to watch my car on that track if possible and see like okay where are places that they're overtaking where are places that they're defending whereas like um where are they a particularly strong car learn about other cars within the field so if you know that like a certain type of um make has like really good straight line you can be like okay i'd have to defend from them here but if it's a different type of car that's like really slow out of corners or I don't know, what have you, then you can be like, okay, I, I wouldn't have to worry as much about taking a defensive line here if I was battling that car, but I'd have to worry here. So it's a lot of strategy and a lot of like, you want to already know as much as you can going into the race, because it is such a stressful, like high, high input time that you want to make sure that you've done as much pre-thinking as possible. Um, the other thing we do is a lot of data analysis. So watching, so I have pretty much after every session in the car when you're in real life and also you can do it on the simulator is you'll watch um you'll play back the lap and then you'll have data traces of all of your inputs so it's kind of like a graph um and it'll show like how much braking you gave how much throttle you gave when and it goes down to like very precise measurements um so you want to analyze all of that so those are like the main tools when you're leading up to a race so let's say i would like if I have a week before a race and if I have access to a simulator and everything, like you'd get up, make sure you're eating right, do a little workout, get on the sim, um, spend time on the simulator, look over your data, make sure what you're doing is accurate and like compare it to other data traces. Um, and then make sure you're like watching onboards, studying your competition. And then another thing we do is we work with the Winners Institute, which is that performance um, coach. So it's Sabine. So she's a high performance, um, psychologist. Um, and so we do a lot of like visualization exercises with her, a lot of, uh, she's done a lot of tests with us. So then you're able to look at like your data comparatively to like world champions and like seeing where, where you fall, like where your focus is, where your um, it's, a, she analyzes a bunch of different things about you, like your self-belief, your competitiveness, your, those killer instincts, your ability to make quick decisions under pressure, all those kind of things. So then you can see kind of where you're, where you need to like round yourself out a little bit. Um, and then through her program, there's like different activities and like exercises you would do to help like work on focus, for instance. Um, 
and or visualization and those kind of things. So those are like the main pieces of like how you prepare before you actually can get on track and really like see how you line up. Ah, so good. Okay. You mentioned, uh, workouts most mornings. What do the workouts look like for you? Um, for me, I just, I mainly do like hit workouts, um, really working on that, like cardio and then just like your endurance, um, to be able to keep like that focus up. So I do like pretty basic, like, you know, you do your like jumping jacks, skipping, um, like a lot of planks and like ab exercises. Um, you want to just make sure that your body is, is healthy and like, isn't going to be overwhelmed by the strain of being in a car. Um, mm-hmm. then, uh, also like a lot of stretches to keep your, your body loose, especially cause with the car, like it really puts a lot of strain on your neck. Um, especially with like taking corners and like you're being pushed different ways with the G forces and everything. So, um, neck strengthening exercises, and then also just like a lot of stretching and like making sure you're loose and in a good position. Um, because a lot of race car drivers can get, especially if they've grown up karting and everything, they'll have a lot of crashes under their belt. So their bodies aren't necessarily in the, the healthiest place. Um, so it's good to really focus on like just your overall health and maintaining like proper recovery and, and letting your muscles, um, be stretched out and relax well. Um, I do a lot of Cairo stuff as well. Um, so that helps because I carry a, like a lot of tension and everything. So it helps keep me nice and loose, um, mm-hmm. which is really important because you can really, I know a lot of people who've had to do physio and everything for just like bad muscle, like tightness during driving and never like properly releasing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Uh, you've also mentioned nutrition a few times in the last couple of times I've talked to you, what are, what are sort of your nutrition basics for keeping, keeping relatively healthy here? Right. Well, fun fact, I'm actually allergic to sugar, um, which is very unfortunate, but it, it yeah. So I can have naturally occurring sugar. Um, but like processed sugar, I can't have, which when I thought I cut it out, I'd like automatically get a six pack. Obviously that, that did not happen. But okay, when did you find out that you were um, allergic to sugar? <laughs> pretty much. I cut it out in 2018. Um, and it kind of, I've always had migraine problems, but I think that intolerance just grew more and more. Um, and I'm on medication for my migraines, but then also when I have sugar, it'll, it'll trigger one. So, um, I try to stay away from processed stuff and um, like any just sugars I can have naturally occurring sugars I can do honey and fruits so and I find that after I cut everything out it actually really like kind of reset my uh my palate and then all of a sudden you're eating an apple and you're like this is amazing and then if you have something artificial you're like oh this is like it tastes fake it tastes like weirdly sweet so I think that does help to a degree with my nutrition. Um, but then also like, so for instance, our first race weekend, there's four of us, right. Racing, um, me and my teammate, and then there are other car, there, two teammates. Um, and when they, some of the girls got out of the car, they felt like super faint, super drained. They were covered in sweat. They were dizzy, uh, white, almost like passing out because like you need to have all that proper nutrition. And especially, um, like you're nervous going into the race day, maybe you're not eating properly. And sometimes you can downplay it. Cause you're like, Oh, you're just driving a car. You're not like running a marathon here, but you do really need to fuel yourself properly. Um, so for me, I mainly on like race days and stuff, like I have homemade granola, which just has like nuts and seeds and has a lot of, you know, healthy carbs and proteins. And then I'll do like this green drink, which is pretty much just like powdered vegetables and like collagen and protein powder, um, which everyone says is disgusting, but it's really not that bad. (laughs) Um, And then I drink like a lot of smoothies and everything just to keep like those sugars and stuff up. Um, And then like protein bars. I had pasta for lunch one day and then chicken and rice for lunch the next day. And I just like, I definitely get nervous and like, you don't feel like you want to eat that much, but you really have to force yourself. So I just make sure I do it in like small bits. Um, And then once you start eating, it's easier to continue that. So um, those are kind of what I use on a race weekend as like my main staples. Um, And so far it's been going pretty good. 
Nice. I like that. I feel like most people should probably pretend to be somewhat allergic to processed sugar <laughs> and just see where that gets them. Yeah. <laughs> There's your hack. There we go. <laughs> Convince yourself that it's, it's going to make you sick. So you have to stop eating as much of it. Yeah. Um, no, it actually, like if it forces for me, like I wouldn't have stopped like eating yeah. sugar but when you're like, this is going to cause me so much pain, you're like, okay, I won't eat the Oreos. Yeah. Yeah. When you know what it's going to do. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, before we hit record, we were talking a little bit about sort of the rest and recovery and kind of finding that, that balance. Um, I mean, how has it been trying to figure out what the balance of like taking time off to really like chill out, but then there's just so much happening. Cause I mean, race car driving doesn't just mean doing the the simulation and the racing, it's also the sponsorship stuff and the business stuff and the media stuff like this. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how are you finding that balance and like making the time for the rest and recovery without feeling guilty? Or have we gotten there yet? <laughs> I don't think, I don't think we fully nailed it down yet. Um, but yeah, that, that brings up a good point. I feel like there's, there's pressure that you could always be doing more and people are like, oh, well, if you want to be successful, you have to want it more than anyone else. You have to work harder than anyone else. Um, but I realize, like, I've seen that in other areas of my life too. Um, but I realize, like proper designated rest really helps me perform better. So obviously I don't want to just be lazy and be like doing nothing. Um, but I think it's important to set those boundaries and like proper, like time limits on stuff. And then when you're, what I, the problem that I sometimes do is I'll like be really needing rest, but I'll be like, Oh, but I should do this. Or I could do these emails or I could watch these onboards or I could like work out. And then I'm really not resting, but I'm really not getting stuff done either. Um, and you're kind of just feeling guilty. You're like there, you're like, I should be doing this. And it's always like in your mind. So what I think, um, a healthy thing, at least for me to do is like being like, okay, I'm not getting stuff done right now. Or I like, actually like, I'm going to plan a break and I'm not going to worry about that. Like from this time to this time, or I'm quitting at 5 PM today and that's it for the evening, you know, and I'm not going to feel guilty. I'm not going to be like, well, I could write this other email. Um, but just actually taking the time because I find that what's the most draining is when you're kind of one foot in one foot out, you're barely getting stuff done, but you don't feel like the benefit of rest either. Um, so I would say just like literally section off a time for yourself and be like, Hey, no. And even if like, something comes up in your mind, I would write it down on my phone. So I don't forget it. And then just like, let it go. Because I feel like that's another thing. If you're mentally like, ah, oh, but I have to do this. I have to do this. So I write it down. So it's out of your head. Um, and then like the next day or like after your hour break, whatever you decided you, you were setting aside. Um, and then I would also say like, you need to, it's not depends. Like your body needs both. You need sometimes where you just like veg out and you're just relaxed. But then I would say you also need like stuff that's going to give you life and like proper joy. So just sitting, like watching Netflix, isn't the same kind of replenishing, uh, rest as like, let's say you, you really wanted to be like, go on this hike, or you really wanted to like go to the beach with friends or, or something, or you wanted to read a book or do an art project. So I'd say be mindful of like your percentage of time that you give yourself to like do nothing, but then also be actively trying to do something that re gives you life. You know what I mean? So I feel like sometimes you can be so drained from like work, um, sport, whatever it is that you just want to like lie there and do nothing. Um, and that doesn't drain you more, but that doesn't fill you up. So also being mindful of the stuff that, that gives you life and that can fill you up. And even if you sometimes don't feel like you, you want to in the moment, once you start doing it, you realize like, okay, this is giving me life again. Um, and it puts you in like a healthier place to keep going. And for me, proper rest really, like, really increases how well I work. So, like, if I never take vacation, my work just gets, like, worse and worse and, like, lame. But if I take even a short vacation, then my productivity level is way up again. So um, I think it's just being mindful of what works for you and not feeling pressure from other people to work the way that they say you should work, but to work what's actually, like, healthy for yourself. Oh, I love that so much. Could not have said it better. <laughs> agree with everything. 300%. <laughs> uh, you've mentioned the, the mental side of stuff uh, quite a few times now. And one thing we always get asked about is race starts. Um, Cause you know, in cycling, 
I'm going to say cycling is probably closer than like running would be like to a, a race car kind probably. of situation, <laughs> probably like pretty close. Um, yeah. Handling the start line nerves. What, mm-hmm. what's your like start line routine? How do you, how do you handle it? Because I mean, gosh, if cycling is very like split second, you have to go. I imagine race car driving is that times like a thousand. I think when I started out, I used to be a lot more nervous at the race starts and I used to have a lot of like physical anxiety. Like my legs would start shaking. I would be all clenched up and tight, which obviously isn't great when you're about to perform physically, like you want your body to be loose. Um, so I think I've worked a lot on mentally, like pre thinking through what I want to do. And then in the moment, just like letting it happen. So you want to, as with any sport, but especially with driving, you want like your driving to almost be instinctual. You want it to be so like patterned into you, um, that you just do because you're, your subconscious reactions are faster than you thinking through, Oh, I have to do this now, you know? So I try to think through before I get in the car, what I want to do. I know a lot of drivers, once they get in the driver's seat, they'll visualize their lap. Um, they'll sit there with their eyes closed, like fully go through all the gear changes, all the the things that they're going to do. I tend to like to do that beforehand. And then just knowing me at this point in my career, Um, really trying to stay loose and stay calm. Once I get in the car, I I honestly don't really think about anything. I have like my few points of stuff that I like pre-decided I wanted to work on, but I just kind of let that be time where I just relax. I normally pray a little bit, just sit there, stay loose. Um, And then there's a like, there's a big starting procedure with driving because you have to get your brakes up to temperature and your tires up to a good temperature on your outlap before you, you start the race. So pretty much you have like a lap where you get your car to the grid where you're not allowed to weave around, but you're able to like brake. So you would get temperature in your tires through like on and off the brake. Then you wait on the grid Then they give you like a 30 seconds. Okay. You're going. Um, and then you have another formation lap where you're going around, you're weaving, you're getting uh, temperature in your tires. You're having to like prepare. So your start kind of starts then right with your, your, your systems to prepare your car for the best traction you can get off the start. And then we have comms with our our race engineer. So because in the racing series I'm in, GT racing, you can go as soon as the green light goes. Um, You don't have to cross the start finish line before you can start racing people. So as soon as the race starts, even if you're like in my series, there's a bunch of different classes. So there's the GT3 cars at this front and then us kind of in the second, there's kind of two packs where like the second pack. So we could still be going through like the last corner when the leaders are like going so you're on the radio with your engineer and they'll they'll be like talking to you they'll be like red 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 green and then it's time for you to go but you want to make sure like when it was time for green you weren't like on the brakes or something and then all of a sudden like you're slow off the start so it's a lot of like delicately managing because you're within a ton of traffic everyone's braking everyone's like still trying to get a bit tire temp everyone's shuffling. So you want to be as close as possible to the people in front of you, but not that you're going to like rear end them or anything. Um, so kind of what you do is you try to stay off the brakes and just manage like throttle. And then as soon as they say green, your foot to the floor and you try to not lift no matter what, um, until you get to the first corner and then it's try to navigate the first corner. Cause obviously like when you're by yourself on a racetrack, you're able to take like the optimal line. Um, but then when you're side by side at the start, like you might be on the outside and there might be, it might be dirty because there's a bunch of marbles is what we call when rubber comes off of a tire. So it'll get slippery on the outside. So that changes your braking. You're also heavier at the start of a race because you have full fuel. So there's a lot of like managing factors. Um, and so those first few corners are pretty critical. There's a saying that like, you can't, you can't always win it on the first lap, but you can definitely lose it on the first lap. So you want to make sure you're um, being wise, but also not being so cautious that you're getting taken advantage of. Um, so it's definitely like the pre, like getting yourself in the proper mindset starts pretty early. And then by the time you're at the start, just kind of instinct takes over and you're just like, okay, let's go. It's so funny. You could have been talking about bike racing that entire <laughs> time. Go. This is so, so good. Similar. <laughs> okay. What is like the most hectic, scariest thing that's ever happened to you in a race? Ooh. Well, I think, I think just like when the car steps out on you um, and you weren't expecting it to. So one time I got in the car, 
Um, and I was the second stint and we got our tire pressures wrong. So our tire pressures were really high. So that meant like there were the air had expanded in the tires. There was less of a compact uh, contact patch. So the tires are kind of ballooned. So you really lost a lot of traction. So uh, I get in after the pit stop and you're like, go, you have no warm up. You're all of a sudden in the middle of a race um, every like millisecond counts. Um, and like the first few corners I had like, okay, grip. I was like, this is fine. And then I like went to take another corner, which normally wasn't like that sketchy. And the car like really stepped out on me and I was like, Whoa, Oh my gosh. Like I was not prepared for this. And in my head, the previous day I saw a car go into the wall where I was like sliding. I was like, Oh my gosh. Um, I got it settled down and everything, but we lost time there. And I think that was like, that was my first race in GT cup. So I was like, thrown by that because previously I'd had like proper tire pressures and I hadn't had like situations like that happen. And then you have the whole rest of your stint to be like, okay, like I have way less traction than I'm used to. Like, how am I supposed to push the car to go faster when I, it shocked me that it stepped out like that. So it stepped out a few other times during that stint. And I like learned how to deal with it more. And I think that's also like helpful. Um, somebody once told me like, if the car does something that you're uncomfortable with, try to make it happen again. So you learn how to be comfortable with it, that you're not, there aren't places, at least like mentally in your sport, there aren't places where you're scared to go, or you're like, so worried about like this happening that you, you would over adjust and you go the other direction. Um, so like that learning how to deal with like, oh, okay, now I I'm in a situation, I'm in the middle of a race and I'm driving something that feels very different than what I've ever driven before and like quickly adjusting and something. And then also just like learning to deal with a bunch of other traffic passes on track. So making sure that they're passing you at proper times because you're gonna get dive bombed by a way faster car, but you're still trying to hold your own line and they can be aggressive and try to like push you um, offline and stuff like that. So making sure you hold your own line. Um, it's a lot of, a lot of new things for me being a new driver that it just takes you a bit of time to like gain your confidence and really learn, like you deserve to be here. Like you need to prioritize your race and yes, you want to be respectful to the other drivers, but like you you're on the track, you deserve to be on the track just as much as they do. So make sure you're not like reacting to what they're doing and being scared off by what other drivers are doing. Um, but like have that confidence in yourself that you deserve to be there just as much as they do. That's huge. Yeah. And do you feel like that's maybe more prevalent in, in women drivers that, that like nerves about like, Oh, I don't want to mess someone else's thing up. Yeah, no, I definitely would. And I've, I've brought that up a few times myself being like, Oh, but I don't want to like, yeah, wreck someone else's race. Um, and all the guys who I've talked to are like, what, why would you think that? They're like, no. And like women who I've talked to are like, yeah, like, I don't want to, I don't want to like cause a disruption or anything. And I feel like it's also, it comes from a bit of a stigma of like, this is a male dominated thing. A girl comes in they're like, Oh, like, look, she got in my way. Like she's not good or something like that. So you're fearful of that reaction. Um, but at the end of the day, you're all drivers and like, they'll respect you for doing like what they would do in that situation. Right. you're supposed to be, um, predictable and safe with your driving. So even if like, it's, it's even worse in a sense if like a car is coming and I would like drive to the side of the track to like get out of their way or something if it's a faster class going through because they wouldn't expect me to do that. So I think that's something as a woman and just for myself, like I've had to work on is just like my confidence in myself and being like, no, like I deserve to be here just as much as they do. And it's not, it's not my job to like jump out of the way of other like faster cars coming through if they're in a different class, like they're supposed to go around me and kind of having that selfishness in a sense that like maybe as like my polite Canadian self was like <laughs> not wanting to like um, overstep. But I feel like that's definitely a, a pattern with women. And that's something that um, that, yeah, you have to realize like, no, like nobody else is thinking that you just do you like stick to your line. Your race is your priority. Love it. I love it. Um, and okay. So someone is going to the track for their, their first time, um, walk us through maybe a couple tips for someone who is like totally new to this and just kind of wants to get on and like play race car driver for a day. Right. Well, number one, that's fantastic. I love it when new people come to the track. So I would say like, don't be, don't be scared and don't put too much pressure on yourself. Um, the key to driving is to really like build those fundamentals from the beginning. So you're not going to get out and set like your fastest, lap immediately like you want to trust your coach and like build that speed um and a lot of times like 
you'll get, if you slow it down kind of at the start, you'll end up going so much faster by the end of the day than you ever could have if you just like tried pushing right out the box. Um, so the key is to really listen to your coach and really um, realize that like things that you would do on the road don't translate to the track. Um, it's a different kind of driving. Um, and like what feels fast isn't always fast, you know, like if it feels really out of control and like you're barely hanging on, you're like, feel like you're in fast and furious, you're probably going really slowly, <laughs> um, like smooth is fast. So I would say, um, really don't put any pressure on yourself, really focus on like learning those fundamentals. Um, and you'd be surprised at how quickly you can develop. If I have a student, if I have someone who's like first time out, um, and they, they listen to me and we just like take it slow for our first few, like morning sessions. Um, it's incredible how, how well people can develop into the afternoon versus if you have a student who thinks that they know everything you don't, they don't actually implement your feedback. Um, then you're just kind of still working on those same things that you were working on in the morning throughout the whole day. Um, so I would say like teachability is just a big thing. Um, and like leave your ego at the gate. Like a lot of times with, with cars and, and racing, it can get a little like people have an ego that they want to bring into it. Um, but really that does, you no favors and that actually holds you back as a driver and doesn't really do you much favors with making a good impression on the racing community. So I would say like, be humble, be teachable. And, um, and normally like if, if a student's teachable, it's the coach who's pushing you to go faster. Like it's me being like, okay, you can put power down more there. Like you can do more. Um, it's as much as people think like, oh, my coach is just going to tell me to slow down. Like, no, we're going to be the ones pushing you to go faster. Um, so you just need to trust them and really like, yeah, just come ready to learn. Awesome. Okay. You, you mentioned Fast and the Furious. How, how is the driving in those movies from like a race car driver perspective? Right. Well, I've actually like, I'm really interested in getting involved in stunt driving and I've done like a little bit of training for it. Um, and stunt driving is really slow. Actually, <laughs> it's like meant to look dramatic. Um, so you're like going really slowly and you're just trying to get the car to like shake about kind of, you know, you're drifting it around. So it's definitely like really impressive driving and like a really good skill set. And like, I have such respect for stunt drivers. Um, but like, I can watch a movie and be like, that was like, this scene where this car is supposed to like be doing this, you're like, okay, that was obviously four set pieces. Cause if the car entered like that, it could never exit like that. Um, you can also look at like, you'll notice if you watch movies, you'll see how much the road is normally wet. It's as if it just rained or something. Cause that allows the cars to like drift and skid around more. It's called a wet down. So I never picked that up until I started like getting involved with stunt driving. And then you watch a movie and how many of the like chase scenes or scenes on the road, you're like, Oh, did it just rain? Like, why is everything super wet right now? Um, but yeah, it's really impressive and it's, it's really slow actually. And, and if you were going to do it in real life, like the first time I, I did my stunt driving thing, they like asked me to do like the slalom or something. They were like, well, you can tell like, you're a race car driver. Cause that was super fast and super boring to watch. Like you're just like, <laughs> in a, in a race car, you want to have like the least inputs as possible. You want the car to be controlled and speed when you're stunt driving, you want like the car to look dramatic and like be all over the place. Um, so it's, it's actually really slowly slow, but it, it looks great on camera. So. That's amazing. Uh, and also, uh, as far as I know, cars generally don't do very well in space, unlike in Nefarious <laughs> nine. Yeah, not really. They're, they're typical, like, you know, area of. Yeah. but. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you can't tell, I actually like secretly deeply love the Fast and the Furious movies. So this is like very exciting for me to discuss right. on this show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the dream for me one day would to do would be to do stunt driving because I, I think it's just so cool and it's such a fun skill set. And like they're really, really quality drivers to do that, um, especially because you have to time your driving with so many other uh, things that are going on. You got all the cameramen, you got the cameraman drivers, you got like all these different inputs and you have to be like, perfect right away and like stop on those marks and nor especially like the drivers there they're driving different cars all the time it's not like you're used to like your drift car your your race car it's like okay you're being thrown in this vehicle make it do something right away mm -hmm. yeah yeah ah oh, so good okay um 
before we wrap up here, tell everyone where they can find you on the interwebs. Um, obviously we're going to link to your payable form where people can potentially like look about, look at sponsorship opportunities or just donate to help defray the very expensive costs <laughs> associated with being a race car driver. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is an expensive industry. Um, we have some great sponsors on board um, and we're always looking to partner with, with other businesses and individuals, um, especially because uh, being part of Formal Woman, there's a lot of more media attention and uh, we have like a TV show following our journey and everything. So it's good exposure um, to be able to work with different companies. Um, but yeah, if people are just interested in following along, they can follow my Instagram, which is erica.drives um on instagram and that's mainly where i post everything and, and links are are all associated there so yeah and everyone has to watch the formula women i feel like that's a good uh on, on psych in cycling we don't have simulators we have trainers so i feel mm-hmm. like formula women would be an excellent trainer riding show yeah we're not really on race courses when we're doing it <laughs> so. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Erica. This was such a, such a blast getting to chat with you. It's so funny how it, like how much cycling and driving overlap as we're talking, like literally we could have replaced driving with cycling and this whole episode would have still worked perfectly. So it's it's such a cool, uh, yeah, just such a cool thing. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, well, thanks for having me. It was great chatting. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox. 